Welcome to the French Press Podcast. It is episode 461. And it's Tuesday. I don't know. November 12th, 2020. No, November 14th. Wow. Do you want to do that over? <laughs> no, it's okay. <laughs> All right. Well, that is the voice of, uh, I, I'm Ruben, and that's the voice of my wife, Carmen. Hello, everybody. Thanks for joining us. Today, uh, I made a promise a couple days ago, or yesterday, that Today on the podcast, I'd be sharing about a DIY showerhead story gone typical. And that's <laughs> that's not going to happen on today's episode because uh, Leighton and Jeff and Nicholas and Theodore, they all bailed on me. And so Carmen, my wife, she had to pitch hit. Is that the right I think term? that's right, yeah. And so we're not going to... As we were walking out the door. Yeah, yeah, literally, yeah. Very last minute. So instead, we decided to talk about kind of um, our interesting fertility story that ended uh, a few, well, well, at least this part of it has ended um, <laughs> a few few months ago in June when our son Eli was born. And I announced it on the podcast and just like real briefly, I'll, I'll just share it again. It was like one of the most just exciting, probably the most exciting moment of my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, as he was born, I was able to catch him. And it's just crazy, even... Like, my love for him is very different than my love for Carmen or anyone else. And it's actually grown, which is not something I expected, but it's actually grown over <clears throat> over those last few months. Even to a point where if we'd have another child, like, I'm not sure if I'd have enough love to, like, to go around. <laughs> that, Everybody that, says that, and I've heard that you have plenty. But anyway, I just want to say it has been so much fun to to have a child. And so I'd encourage anyone out there, because uh, we didn't start this way. We, we started like waiting uh, or, or like kind of putting off having children. Mm-hmm. And uh, I wish we would have got it started, you know, as soon as possible. Mm-hmm. And even when we did start, you know, things didn't go exactly how we mm-hmm. were, were hoping. Yeah, I and agree. We, we're going to share that a little bit today. I agree. I would, I would, if I could give advice to myself when we first got married, I would tell me to to put aside like career and things like that and start trying to have a family. Not not like in the event that you might not be able to have kids, but just because kids are such a joy. Yeah. Kids are amazing and and I didn't realize how amazing they are and and how much that they can enhance your marriage. I think you should be careful. You should make sure you have a good foundation with your in your marriage too before you just jump into having kids but but that's also true just about marriage in general like you mm-hmm. should whether you have children or not you should make whatever sure you have a good foundation yeah yeah all right so um Carmen, you wanted to share a little bit just about the birth itself yeah. I, I told her it can't go it can't go too long <laughs> uh yeah so um monday so he was born on tuesday that's eli he was born on a tuesday morning at 805 um so monday the day before i had had some early labor all day um, I had gone to the chiropractor, and she had told me that I had my hopes up, and I wasn't. I shouldn't be. I should just go home and calm down. And you can't tell a thirty-eight week and six-day pregnant lady to calm down. It doesn't work. <laughs> um, so I went home, and she had said to go on a couple walks or to go on a walk. I went on three. I went on a walk when I got home. 
went on a walk with Ruben later, and I think I went on a walk before bedtime then. Um, went to bed around 9, and I had told my midwives what was up and how, how my contractions were, uh, but they were, it was very early contractions, nothing crazy. And at 10.30, I woke up with an insane, in the middle of a, in the middle of a contraction, which if there's any women out there who've had babies, they, they know that it's crazy to wake up in the middle of a, of a contraction. Um, and then I went back to sleep and woke up at 11 with another one. And so then I just decided I was going to go downstairs and labor by myself for a while. I wanted to be able to labor until like four o'clock when Ruben woke up and then he was going to be able to like support me and he would have gotten a full night's sleep and all this. Well, I labored from 11 to 12 by myself and felt like I couldn't do it anymore. And I felt so, I felt a little ridiculous because I thought maybe I was being overdramatic and like I should be able to do this by myself. So he helped me uh, or he did counter pressure, all the things that husbands do to help support their wives during labor. And he, you were amazing. You were like the, the perfect doula. I, I, we went back and forth about whether or not I should do it. We should have a doula. And I think it's very individual to each couple, but I think that we made the right decision for us to not have one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then called the midwife at one and, um, she said to call her back in about an hour. And then around two thirty, we asked her to come and around three, she arrived. So what were your thoughts at two thirty when I wasn't talking anymore? <laughs> <laughs> well, we had been through several several birth or yeah, yeah classes. I had showed you birth birth videos. You and had and I knew that Carmen told me that at some point, uh, I think it's called the transition, but the pain gets so intense that the 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 mom stops talking, mm-hmm. stops responding, <laughs> and in my mind, I was a little bit worried that Carmen was putting herself in a fake transition phase, like maybe she's <laughs> not actually there, and so she's just stopping talking. And she thinks she's there, but it's actually going to get a lot worse, and she's not there. And then when that happens, what's going to happen? So that, that was the, the thing that was going through my mind. And so I was, like, trying to get her to talk. I would, like, ask questions that... Make jokes. I don't know if I made jokes. You made jokes. Because then one time I laughed, and you were like, <laughs> you were like oh, see, you're laughing. You're not, you're not too, too bad. <laughs> Do you remember that? Um, no, I don't. <laughs> Uh, but any, anyway, thankfully yeah. you were in transition and yes, you, was. it was actually going along pretty quickly. As, yeah, more quicker than what we thought. I Some things that helped a lot were like counter pressure on my back because I had a lot of back labor and then being in the shower. We tried the, the tub and that, that was the worst, the worst thing. So my, my first midwife came at 3 a.m. Um, and we labored for until around 4. And I remember asking her around 4 o'clock if I was... If it was, if I was thinking it was too early and she was like, well, you're, you're in labor, you're in labor. And she, I didn't want to be checked. So she didn't check me. Um, and she said she was, might go take a nap. So I knew that meant that she thought that we were very early in labor. And there might be another <laughs> 20 hours <laughs> yeah, to go. Yeah. And that I was maybe being a little bit of an excited first mom. 5 a.m. I threw up, which can, can mean that your body's in transition and it's just purging itself. Um, and and around 5.30, I started feeling some some pressure. And so she was like, I really want to check you. So she decided to check me around 6 o'clock, 6 o'clock. And I was complete, which was a huge surprise to all of us because I had only been in labor now for, um, so that was 6 a.m. Yeah, so I hadn't been in labor for that long. 
Um, and then I started pushing about 6.20. My water broke around 7 o'clock, and Eli was born at 8.05. Yeah. Um, at home, it was probably the most magical thing that Ruben and I have ever experienced. Um, and sometimes I still think about it and get emotional. But, yeah, it was pretty amazing. So, yeah, that was incredibly incredible moment, uh, very exciting and so I want to go, we want to go back now. When we first got married, we decided that uh, Carmen had just finished like part of her nursing degree. Oh, I, had, I was an LPN at that time. And she time. was going to go for, a, and I was totally on board with it. Oh, bless you. Totally on board with like, it's two more years. Like, let's just finish it. Mm-hmm. And so she went ahead and did that. And we were like, we're, we're just going to wait, um, get to, you know, know each other and just mm-hmm. be, be married for a while. Kind of do the traditional like wait two years thing. Yeah. And so then, yeah, it was about, I think it was about three years later when we started. It was March of 2020. We got married in June of 18. So it was about two years. Um, and I think when we started like thinking about, okay, let's, let's start having children. It's like, well, it's just, it's easy. It just like happens. And that was definitely not our experience. Mm-mm. And I did have some trep- like trepidation, some fears because, because I have family, close family um, that, haven't been able to have children and weren't able to have children. And so I did kind of go into it with a, with a little bit of a realist view of it that I'm it that may be our story too, but hopeful that it wasn't going to be. Yeah. So, so like you, there was a couple, there was a handful of, of miscarriages. Mm-hmm. And then finally we decided like to get tested and see like, is it something? Yeah. Like try to get some help, figure out like what, what is this? Like this isn't, this isn't normal at this point. Yeah. And so we went and, uh, and I went to Dr. Stroud in, in uh, Fort Wayne. Mm-hmm. And maybe you can talk a little bit about that, that visit yeah, and what, so what he said. After the second <clears throat> miscarriage, we tested a couple, on me on a couple of things. And I had uh, found out I have Hashimoto's, which is a type of hypothyroidism. And then um, the MTHFR gene. And both of those have like can, can cause um, recurrent miscarriages. <laughs> Um, so we started on whenever we were trying then for the, the next baby, we started uh, treatment for some of those. And you can look up treatment, <laughs> what what treatment would be for some of those if you're curious. Um, it's basically injections. Yeah, either it's it's blood thinners and then thyroid medication. Um, so, yeah, then after the third miscarriage, we went to Dr. Stroud in Fort Wayne. And, and he said he was so comforting. He's a uh, he's actually Catholic, uh, uh, faith-based OBGYN who... Um, is amazing and walked us through that there's five like five different reasons that people have infertility um, is MTHFR gene, um, laden factor five, I think I'm saying that right, low progesterone, um, and then there can be male infertility, different things with male, uh, the men. And then um, sometimes it's just genetics. Sometimes it's just the hand of God um, and that it's, there's really no... There's no reason man, that they man, know. Men can't explain what's, what's going on, but it's just the baby didn't make it. Um, and so, and, and we found out that you have, yep, low, that low, I have low progesterone yeah. then. Um, and so he said, you know, when you start trying, uh, treat the low progesterone and the MTHFR and they've had great success just treating those two things mm-hmm. and without further testing, I think around that, we're not quite sure, but I think around that time, Ruben also tested for, um, to see if he had any, um, whatever yeah. problems. So then we got we got pregnant um, in May of 21, and uh, we're eight weeks along. 
And we were getting ready to go on a uh, trip out west with Ruben's yeah, family. A four, a four week trip. Mm-hmm. We're gonna be gone. And so, yeah. and right before that, we had like the first ultra, ultrasound. Yeah. So and I we weren't gonna get an ultrasound. I didn't want to do a lot of ultrasounds throughout the pregnancy. I wanted as as low interventions as possible. And so we were just gonna do the twenty week um, ultrasound. I had this just this gut feeling that we should do an ultrasound before we left for the trip because I wanted to do like a a baby announcement, uh, photos on the trip, some things like that, and um, I just had this gut feeling that we should check for the ultrasound, uh, check and do do an ultrasound before we left. So I scheduled. We have a crisis pregnancy center in our town that does free ultrasounds in the first trimester, and so we went there to Retta to um, do the ultrasound. And walked in, and the baby wasn't. The baby was two weeks behind, so we thought I was eight weeks, and the baby was only measuring six weeks, and there was no heartbeat, which is really it's eight weeks is really early. Sometimes you don't see the heartbeat at that time. Yeah. So, but this visit set up all future visits, uh, either with the midwives or with the, an ultrasound tech. That's just yeah. like that that uncertainty about what's what we're going to hear, what we're going to see. It was really hard. And and I knew what I was seeing on the screen and you didn't. And I felt terrible later because I, it was hard to explain to you in the moment what was, what you were seeing. And you were just, you were just reading my face in the nurse's face, which was really hard to read. Yeah. And so I think it was in some ways more traumatic for you. I hate that word, but it was more um, difficult for you. Than it was well, for me. I remember just being kind of uh, like, they must be wrong. Like yeah. the baby is not two weeks behind. Yeah. Or and like, she was really hopeful. She was like, well, it's not no off. Sometimes you can't see the heartbeat at this time. And you really hung on to that for the next 24 to 48 hours until yeah. we found out for sure. Um, I, I knew that it was, she was like, well, maybe you counted wrong as far as from ovulation and things like that. And I didn't. <laughs> So anyway, so then, uh, and the, actually that morning I had had my first midwife appointment as well, the intake appointment with my, with my midwives. So they suggested that we do labs the next day, which we were leaving for and our, the labs, our trip the what, next day. What would day. the labs say or show? They would show the um, hormone in my blood that... Which would that indicate detect, then if, if there was like, mm-hmm. pregnancy was, yeah, in, yeah. in full swing or not. Yeah. So they, it would have detected the HCG and the progesterone. Okay. So then we did, we... We left we literally early. like in, in the camper. Mm-hmm. We're leaving for the trip and we stopped by. We, we, we were calling, I think we were trying to find multiple places along the way. And it ended up that South Bend, which South is Bend. close by, that, yep. that we could get in there and quickly do a test. Yep. So they got us in. They did a test for us, praise God. And uh, the next day, yeah, we didn't, you didn't get the results both right the away. results for 24 hours. So then the next day, we found out. My midwife called me and said that. Yeah, the the so we had done an HCG panel at the midwives the first at the intake appointment, and then you know the forty eight hours later it's supposed to be triple or double double or triple that, and it wasn't. It was going down. So we knew we had lost the baby at that point, and we didn't miscarry actually miscarry the baby until four weeks later, which I was so grateful we didn't have to go into the hospital mm-hmm. that we were able to do it naturally. That was a blessing. So I continued to have spotting then for about six weeks. Um, after the miscarriage was after done. After the miscarriage. Af- after normal. we were home now. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is very normal to um, to have a little bit of spotting, but not for six weeks. So I got an ultrasound. She couldn't find anything. The doctors couldn't find anything. Um, and at this point, we were 
yeah, a little bit like, like we felt like maybe something wasn't quite right with my body. Um, and so we asked the church, you suggested, I think. Yeah. We were remember, was that the year we were memorizing James? Um, I think it might be. Hmm. That's interesting. I don't know. But in James, it talks about, you know, if you're sick, calling the elders of the church and asking to be anointed. Yeah. And so we, um, we did, we asked the church to have like for an anointing, excuse me, for an anointing. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was a beautiful service. We had, yeah. we had a family from Indiana yeah. here. Yeah. Layton on the podcast, Layton shared, he shared, uh, the passage when Jesus performed the miracle on the blind man where he, uh, I think it was rubbed dirt in his eye. And the man said, you know, at, at first he saw like shapes, but he didn't see clearly right away. And, um, Layton was just like, just kind of, I think, bring out the point that sometimes healing doesn't happen instantly, and it can sometimes, sometimes takes, takes a little bit of time. Yeah, and I think through. It, yeah, it was it was a beautiful service. Yeah, it was, and I think with that at that service, I think I was able to. We both talked about that, like if God would choose to answer no to our prayers for a child. That I, that in that service, it felt like I was able to lay down my will for babies at that point. And I, and I like, I truly felt peace about whatever God was going to have for our family as far as like biologically having children. Yeah. Um, and so my, my heart was healed almost more than my, <laughs> than my body in that, at that service. But, um, yeah, two days later I did end up passing some, the last, the last of the miscarriage and, um, yeah, stopped bleeding. So, Praise God, I didn't have to go in for a DNC or anything like that. That was a huge blessing. So then we waited to, yeah, we decided to wait to try. But something that more. was just a, uh, throughout this whole thing, like you kind of, you, you said it, just like a giving up and a realization that maybe, like maybe we won't have children. Mm-hmm. Maybe we won't have biological children. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and at different times, I think it hit us both at different times. Yeah. But just, and I did, I do believe we finally did get to a point where, where we were okay with not having biological mm-hmm. children. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it did, but when you're okay with not having some, it doesn't mean that there's not difficult times. So like, yeah, the, probably the hardest days were, um, <coughs> I never struggled. I know some women that have <coughs> had miscarriages really struggle on the, the day the baby was miscarried or the day they found out or their due dates. I don't remember any of my due dates. I don't remember other people remember them better than I do and will text me and message me, which is very sweet. But I, um, yeah, it's, I don't remember those, but the days that were hardest were like, um, well, with the one baby, it would have been due around the same time as my sister-in-law and my two sisters my two sisters, we would have all been pregnant at the same time. So that was difficult. And I even still think about that baby. Like he would be two or is she, the baby would be like two, two years old now, almost three. Um, and some of those things, those are, that's, mm-hmm. that's hard. And then like, or was hard. And then mother's day and father's day, different holidays are hard, but, but especially mother's day and father's day were probably the hardest times. Um, remembering back yeah. and then, and so we often talked about this too, but um, when other people would be would announce their pregnancies, and they were always our friends were always so supportive and and sweet and kind, and never like bombed us with it most times. 
never like most times they were yeah gentle with how they told us and that was very sweet of them um and but yeah finding out that they were pregnant and we were still waiting was was hard but yeah i don't know why but like the verse uh, it's romans i didn't know what it was but it's romans twelve fifteen where it says rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep mm-hmm. We and held on to that verse a lot. We did, and we prayed that we could rejoice with our friends and family who were having children, mm-hmm. and we weren't able to um, because we were happy for them. Because I never we wanted just didn't any... always like we just sometimes we we tended or like you know the natural tendency is just to feel sad that you can't have that mm-hmm. that we can't have that. And I never wanted to, them to feel bad for having more children, and yeah. and I always wanted to be great. Like I always. You always want to celebrate a child and you never want a child to feel like because like because I couldn't have children that that child for some reason should feel guilty for you know being here. <laughs> that's not that's not okay. So So what would you say like cuz that was from the hardest times. What were some of the biggest uh, encouragements that that we experienced and had? Uh one Mother's Day um my sister Sorry. My sister got someone from someone from Pennsylvania who also used to struggle, had struggled with infertility. Um, she what's, started a company. Is there a, what's the name of the company? I don't know the name of the company. Oh, that's too bad. Cause it, I know, it's I'll have incredible. To ask Jen, maybe you can put it on the yeah. Instagram or something or the whatever. You can put it on your socials. Um, but it's a beautiful company. She creates boxes. Um, so they like people send her. So my sister contacted her and they got like six, 10 of my friends. I don't know. I don't remember how many people were involved anymore. And um, all sent her something for a Mother's Day box. And then she packaged it really neatly and beautifully and then sent it to me. Including with, like with, notes too. Yeah, like it was letters. I, I saved them and put them in Eli's uh, baby box or baby book or whatever. But um, yeah, like letters, little, um, just little gifts. And it was really, it was really sweet. I, I didn't, I never wanted to play like the victim Mm -hmm. (laughs) and like, you know, I don't know. I, everybody mourns differently. Um, and so I don't want to put anyone down for how they, how they mourned their miscarriages or their babies. But, um, yeah, I didn't want it to play the victim and feel like people needed to tiptoe around me or, or yes, Mother's Day was hard, but I didn't. And I was a mother to a degree, but I didn't, but I wasn't a mother. <laughs> you know what I mean? And like, there is a difference between like having no children and having miscarriages and, and having, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, and I want to be gentle about that because I know it's, yeah, each person is different, but it was just very sweet and very thoughtful that they gave us that gift that Mother's Day. I think that Mother's Day, I didn't even really know I was struggling until I, till the box came yeah. and then I was, yeah, a mess. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but it just felt it felt good to just be loved that much. It felt good for me yeah. to know that that your friends and family like they cared that much about you. Yeah. That's what really felt sweet. good for me. Uh, for Father's Day, um, it didn't hit me like it did you mm-hmm. with Mother's Day. Yeah. Um, but I know there were a handful of times where it hit you, but I can't remember. <laughs> I remember you like struggling, but I don't remember what the times were or. Yeah, well, the like one time was after was uh, Grandma passed away. Like yes. w- one of the miscarriages had happened, like right around when she passed away. It happened like she was, yeah. And and so I just like thought about like them like seeing each other, mm-hmm. 
Like that, that like was, a, I don't know. I had never had that thought before that, mm-hmm. that one of these children that have miscarried are like seeing someone that I just saw not that long ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that was kind of comforting too. Yeah, it you was. You know, they're with Jesus, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, our humanity, it feels good to know that they're with their great grandmother. Um, some other things that were encouraging. Um, we had, I think it was probably about a year before Eli was born. I was praying and I felt kind of like prompted to buy something. Well, uh, before you, okay. We had been praying, we had been praying for, for faith. Not necessarily yes. that God would grant us what we were asking, but that God would just give us faith in him. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, go, go, yeah. go ahead. Like kind of, yeah. kind of throughout these couple of years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That he would just build our faith, yeah. whether it's like if we ever end up with a child or not, but that he just built our faith. Um, so during that time I had this feeling that I should buy, um, something in faith that, that, um, we were going to have a baby. Um, and so I bought a Moses basket. I didn't tell many people because I didn't, yeah, I was a little bit insecure about it. <laughs> well, and part of it is like being careful with the name it and claim it. Yeah. Like, yeah. I didn't want to do like, you know, I believe, yeah, I didn't want to, I never wanted to force God into giving yeah. us a child, obviously. Um, and then, so then I told Carrie, yes, I told Carrie, um, about it and her and Layton and the boys gave us a little baby book. Um, by Ellie, Ellie Holcomb, I think she wrote these darling, darling children's books. Um, and she just, they just wanted to help give So, so sorry, I'm getting sidetracked. Some of the things were encouraging were we bought that in faith. And then there were other people that throughout our infertility, throughout the years that we were, the three years that we were waiting for Eli, um, and, and the miscarriages, several people gave us gifts or said they had bought something um, and were waiting, you know, praying in faith that, that we would have a child one day. Um, our friend, I'm going to name some people. If I don't name you, please don't be offended. <laughs> I can't remember everybody that, yeah. Everybody, every, our, all of our friends were supportive and sweet and caring. A couple, Amanda, um, Kyle and Amanda, Amanda bought a sweet little outfit with um, some rainbows on it for a rainbow baby um, Carrie and Layton got us a book, um, and Ruben's cousin, Nathan, Nathan and his wife got us some blankets. I know that like my friend Carla got me something and all of our family and friends were, it didn't matter. It doesn't matter if people buy you things, things or not like the, the cards that were sent, the prayers that were prayed, the texts that we received, like all of that was a huge encouragement. And, and our, our, like, I don't, I don't, I can't remember everybody. And I, I know there's people, <laughs> I know there's people that were praying were that us. we don't even know. Yeah. Because uh, after Eli was born, um, there was someone at, that was like at a house, or not Layton's a house church, church. at a, a small group at Layton's. And Layton's just mentioned that, or Carrie mentioned that, uh, you know, or Ruben and Carmen, they had a boy. And then the person said, oh, I didn't know that they were pregnant. We've been praying for them yeah. for like these couple of years. Yeah. So people were praying for us and it was, it was, it's so beautiful. And if it's overwhelming to know that, you, you know, the family of God is like holding you in prayer, even though you don't know them personally yeah. or 
but they just care about you in in that way. That was yeah. really beautiful. So, and there are, whether or not we got physical gifts, yeah, the physical gifts weren't the most like they. It was just part of what was beautiful. Yeah, the prayers, the texts, the cards. Like that was always so. Yeah, if you're walking with someone who's going through, or you know of someone who's going through infertility, whether it's miscarriages or secondary infertility or whatever it is, stillbirth. Um, just know that like a little encouragements like cards, um, calls, remembering their child's birthday, things like that really do hold a lot of weight and help lift them up and encourage them a lot. So, so at some point you, you had kind of thought adoption was in your, like God was maybe calling you to adoption. Like at, when we got married, mm-hmm. you had mentioned it and I, I wasn't, saying that, no, never totally against it, but I hadn't felt that. You haven't felt called to it. Yeah, I hadn't felt called to it. And then um, I, I actually don't remember what, like I'd say kind of slowly things kind of changed. And, and one thing that I, I decided I was going to like ask some of our friends uh, in church as well, like what, what they think. Like, do they think this is something we should think about or consider or pursue? Mm-hmm. And so in the summer... Uh, last you have 22 probably. yeah summer of 22 I remember we first like asked Layton, Layton's I think is that how it went no it would have been like the it would have been the winter of 21 because no we were at, we were camping with Layton's when we talked with them okay. it was in the summer okay um, but anyway just like started yeah, yeah and, and, and you and you had kind of just you had brought it up you'd, you'd kind of bring it up every few months probably like hey mm-hmm. we should maybe think about adoption think about adoption and uh, and then at some point you had just kind of given it up. I had stopped asking you, but I was still praying about it. So I I was, I, for me, on the other hand, I was holding on to it so tightly because I was like, if we can't have children biologically, even if we do have children biologically, I want to adopt. But if for sure, if we can't have children biologically, I want to adopt. And, or I felt like I was called, like, I mean, I, I had felt called to it, like, since I was like 18 or 19. And so it felt like a huge thing to give up. And I remember driving down the road one day and I was like bawling and praying out loud. And I told God, I was like, I need, like, I know I need to give this up the same way I give up biological children, like any way of having children. I need to give that up and not force God to give us this, this gift. Um, or try, I, or try to manipulate me into yeah, like agreeing or, with you. Yes, which is so hard. And so I just prayed that if if we're not supposed to adopt, that God would change my heart and take that, take it away. And and that if we are supposed to adopt, that He would change Reuben's heart. And I don't know how much longer after that went is when you approached me about it. Yeah, and it's I should have uh, I should have been like writing things in a journal a little mm-hmm. more closely because I'm not sure what what I read or what I'm not sure what it was that made me like think maybe we should adopt. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so the, the first step that, that we took was like asking some of our friends and church, like what, what they thought about it. And they were all incredibly supportive. Yeah. Our whole church was like, do it. Oh, what did I do? Was like, do it. That's a, we would support you 100%. And, um, yeah, and we talked to some family about it. I think we talked to your parents and my parents, didn't we? I think so. Yeah, yeah, we did. We did. Yeah. 
and then eventually then and so once we like felt like okay god is encouraging us to, like mm-hmm. to go this way we started uh we have some family members mm-hmm. um that have adopted yeah. and so we had some did zoom, some zoom research did, did research did some zoom calls facetime calls with them got some information and then i think it was probably literally i know the one call we knew i was pregnant yeah well we met with some people locally here too yeah uh, I, I think it, I think within, I think it was, it was, I think it was less than a month. Yeah. It was less than a month from deciding to adopt to finding out we were pregnant with Eli. Yeah. That, yeah, that, that we found out we were pregnant yeah. with Eli. <laughs> and, and we're still, we still haven't felt God, uh, like tell us that no adoption is not for you. No. Um, but, uh, yeah. So we're, yeah. Lord willing, we can still, we can add children to our family through adoption as well. But, um, yeah. One of the, I wanted to go, so I told you like when we went to the ultrasound with, with the first time I went to get an ultrasound and then like every follow-up visit. So we went to have the, was it a, was it a nine week or an eight week ultrasound with Eli? We decided to do a nine week ultrasound with him. Well, it was, it ended up being nine weeks because we just, we were, we were fearful. Yeah. That was probably the hardest thing to let go of during the pregnancy with Eli was just fear and anxiety. Um, and that's been the hardest thing postpartum too, is just letting like fear that he's you know something's not right <laughs> yeah so when we, yeah when we went to his ultrasound i couldn't tell a difference for, as far as like what i was looking at yes. on the screen to me everything looked the same so i was like more intently than the first time mm-hmm. i was reading carmen's face and the nurse's face to try to see are they hopeful are they disappointed are they excited and i e- even when you like like showed some emotion i couldn't tell if it was good or bad yeah uh, until like eventually then like I, th- I think you did say then probably like, felt like forever that you make it sound oh, like I did. eventually it was probably only like 30 seconds oh my that. it felt like it could have been 10 minutes <laughs> we weren't even in the ultrasound room for 10 minutes i don't think but <laughs> and i kind of had that same i felt like, so bad that we didn't i, I didn't i had that same feeling then too, even even with the midwives and doing like the heartbeat monitor mm-hmm. it just seemed like it would just take forever to find it the did. heartbeat it took like one or two minutes the first time to find oh her. man and almost every visit here's what's kind of ironic i almost felt like my, even though the pregnancy had gone longer, mm-hmm. I felt like my faith was actually like less. Like I was, mm-hmm. I was like more afraid and uncertain that that is going to like keep on going well. Mm-hmm. And it was just, uh, yeah, prayed a lot and pray that God would give us faith to trust mm-hmm. him. Even if, cause the miscarriage could have happened at 20 weeks instead of, you know, at, early, like it had been happening with the other ones. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I, I kind of felt like my faith was insufficient mm-hmm. and that all I could do is just rely on God mm-hmm. for the little faith that was there or the amount that was missing. Mm-hmm. And that in some ways that kind of felt kind of good. Like mm-hmm. even my own faith I realized was just not enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think probably the, that's probably one, one of the biggest things that we both learned throughout the whole thing is, that God is the author of our stories. We cannot um, demand anything from him and that he is, he is the giver of good gifts. And that was one thing we wrestled with was like, if he's the giver of good gifts and he says children are a blessing, why is he taking ours away? Yeah. Um, but and, and I do think it was for a greater purpose, whether we ever find out what it is or not. But um, I'm, I am, we're so grateful for Eli <laughs> and like just, He's been such a blessing. He's been such a joy. And like we said at the beginning, yeah, have kids. 
they're, they're a joy. They're they're amazing. It's been it's it's so much fun to like. I mean, he's only four months old, and I can't wait till he turns one, and we can have him, you know, do all these things with him. Get, so. on, a, get on a bicycle yeah. and <laughs> yeah, race around with his cousins. Yeah. So we also uh, are you ready to wrap up today's story? I think so. I think yeah. so too. I think he's for sure ready to wrap Eli's it up. Eli's ready to wrap it up. Um, we do our tasting. We have some coffee from Mama Java, and actually, yeah, yeah, yes, yeah, from Mama Java. It's a messy bun, and I think I threw away the wrapping, so now I'm not sure. No, it is over there. Uh, we have one more Mama Java coffee. Next week, we've got the Colombian Supremo. And so I think this had been our favorite, mm-hmm. Colombian Supremo. Colombian. This is pretty good. It's dark. This, I like This it. is really good. The messy bun is also good. I'm not sure where it's from. We, we, don't, we won't do an official coffee review because we're just, unfortunately, not really prepared on tonight's episode. But... Um, yeah, I think we're going to wrap up today. If I would say, what's the point? The point? I think the point is... You are out of control how many children yeah. you're going to have. Yeah. Um, the sooner you can surrender to God and truly surrender because it's easy for us to rejoice. There's pacifiers in there. Because, you know, we have we have him. We have Eli. But the, the same thing, we also have to rejoice even if the answer is no. Yeah. And that's that's hard to think about too. But um, there were times when we thought the answer was no. We definitely there was times when we were definitely there and and in surrender. Yeah, and I think surrender is like a continual thing. Like I think like we would we would be like perfectly fine, okay, and then all of a sudden it would hit one of us, and then yeah. we have to surrender it all over again. So I think some people make the mistake of saying, "Well, once you surrender the once you surrender, then you're just gonna have a baby. It's gonna and, be a little miracle." Yeah. And it's like, yeah, I already surrendered like two months ago, and today it's not. So you have to like. And I know there's tons, there's tons of stories about people who move towards adoption and then end up having having a biological child. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to be sure we were not trying to manipulate God mm-hmm. or doing this thing just because we hoped that we would have a biological child. Mm-hmm. Like we were moving towards it because we did feel like God was moving us in that direction. Mm-hmm. And like I said, we still think He's moving us in that direction, and are still planning on on doing that unless, unless He would close the door. Mm-hmm. Um. Oh, there was something else that I just thought about. No, no, I, not out of my mind. I think um, some advice that some people I either heard on a podcast or someone gave me, but make sure that if you know if you do are are going through infertility, or if you um, know of someone who no, if you are going through infertility or or thinking of trying to have children, make sure that your that children never come above or between your marriage um and always make sure to support your partner or your husband or wife um because yeah they they are the the one who's walking through it with you and even though they may grieve differently than you maybe they don't seem like they're grieving at all maybe they feel maybe you feel like they're grieving too much or like you know wallowing or whatever walk with them through that and be supportive and and don't i think it's because we are out of control of, of what's happening in our in our uh, with with fertility or with your family, um, to say I will have children by any means necessary is a scary is a scary statement. Um, and so, yes, surrender is a daily thing, and sometimes you have to surrender over and over, and that's okay. But just make sure your heart is always surrendered, and then and then support your spouse 
um, in, in the way that they need and make sure that you're still going on dates and enjoying each other and doing those things because, because if you lose that connection, then there's, it's, you shouldn't be having kids right away. This is one of the things that, that we learned. And I think this is maybe, uh, this is, if if you're going through infertility, like listen closely, don't try to hide it, Mm -hmm. share it with people. Mm -hmm. The more people, the more Christians that know, the more people can pray and you'll get you'll feel and get support as well from those people and um yeah i, I know it can be like whatever it can be i think it can be like easy to just kind of like hide it or like if people ask you like if you're planning on having kids i know it's kind of hard if people are asking you like when are you gonna have kids i know it can be kind of awkward to say well we're trying but we've we're not able to or haven't had haven't been able to um but there is a way just to say that in a nice in a nice way that that doesn't make them feel doesn't make them feel for dumb. Asking the question, but also um, maybe can help them join you in prayer. Like you could say, like you know, that's something you can pray for us for. We haven't been able to have yeah. children yet. Yeah. Um. And and they do, and people do. Like mm-hmm. that happened multiple times with us, and I know that they joined us in prayer mm-hmm. for having children. Like when we when people found out we were pregnant with Eli. Like the amount of people that were just rejoicing with us yeah. was so beautiful. So it was. They share in your sorrow and they share in your joy. Just like and, yeah, the Romans twelve fifteen. Yeah. And it's beautiful to see the the family of God bond, you know, behind you in that way. So, yeah, that would probably be our number one piece of advice: is share it with other people. Yeah. So it's not it's not shameful. I think sometimes we think it's shameful if you can't have children or you're going through infertility. It's not shameful. It's it's a hard thing you're walking through, and the more people that can support you, the the better. Yeah. Um, I think we kind of we're starting to do the points. Yeah, that was the, I what think, was the point? That yeah. was the point. So those are your two points, I guess. <laughs> extra stuff there. And our uh, what's our word of the week? Yeah.